Open God's words with me to the book of Acts, chapter 26. Lord willing, we're going to make it to the end of this chapter today. First of all, I'd like to just say thank you. Um, Beth and I had the privilege of attending the Lifting Leaders Conference. Uh, It's sponsored uh, by Calvary Bible Church in Nagani. It's Randy Reed's church. Um, Well, it's God's church, but Randy's the under-shepherd there right now. And um, just had a a good time of... uh, the, the, the goal is to encourage pastors, but it's also some training and teaching us how, how to be better at, at meeting your needs. Um, I, I, we, we weren't sure we were going to go. It was kind of on, off, on, off because of schedules and things. And um, I'm glad I went. I'm glad we went. Um, uh, just that one, one, the opportunity to see Tony while I was there, but um, the... the the privilege of having men that have been in the ministry longer, that are wiser, um, just pour into us their experience. Um, David Duran was there and his wife uh, had a session with the ladies. Um, mo- most, of it, most of it is paid for by the church there. Um, the only thing we really had to pay for was uh, uh, the hotel for one night. Um, they no, there's no fee to the conference, and they 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 fed us a couple meals, one each day. Um, it was just a good time uh, to to get some of that, those batteries. Now we're we're going to go to Florida and get our our rest batteries recharged. It was nice to to go for a day and a half and and get our our ministry batteries recharged and and refocused. Um, hopefully, you will be seeing some of the benefits of that from our time there in, in the, the weeks and months to come in, in our ministry here. Become such as I am. How many would like to say, how, how many of you can say, at every moment in your life, you would always want your children to emulate you. At your best, at your worst, you know, at your worst, you know, that, that's part of who you are. You've got to include that. But today we're going to look at, in, in this, Paul is saying this in a spiritual sense, of course, um, that he wants... But you know, you know who they're talking to, who he's talking to. He wants these guys to, to become as he is spiritually in Christ. Uh, been looking the last couple weeks, chapter 26, first, uh, first eight verses, we saw Paul is the Pharisee. Then there's another three or four verses in there. Paul uh, was, was, oh wait a minute, back up a page. Where is he? Who's he talking to? Verse 23 of Acts chapter 25 says, So the next day when Agrippa had come together with Bernice amid great pomp, they had entered the auditorium accompanied by the commanders and the prominent men of the city. At the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. This is Paul's fifth final defense before he heads off to Rome. And he has the ear of King Agrippa and Festus and a whole bunch of dignitaries and 
people that think there's something in the, in the, the politics in the city of, of Caesarea there. But they've come to the governor's uh, auditorium to hear Paul defend himself against the charges. We know that a few chapters back when the charges started, they were accusing him of uh, blasphemy and, and uh, what else, the word just left my... What was he doing to the temple? Defiling the temple. There we go. Whew. He was de- they, they accused him of defiling the temple. And, and through, through his testimonies, through his defenses, uh, before Claudius Lysias, if you remember him, in, in Jerusalem, and then it was, then it was uh, Felix, and, and Felix kind of put him off for a couple of years. They, they, at one point, they brought the, the, their, their lawyer, Tertullus, to put charges against Paul, to accuse him of defiling the temple. And Paul, as time has gone on, has, has got the attention off the defiling the temple charge because there was nothing to it. It wasn't true. It wasn't real. And he's got their focus and their attention on the resurrection. And you remember one time when they, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees had him and he was testifying in front of them, he, he, he said something mean to the, to the high priest because the high priest told somebody to slap him. And then he said, you whitewashed whatever. And, Paul, and, and then Paul had to, had to get out of it. He figured the only way he was going to squirm out of it was to get them fighting with each other. So all he had to do was mention the resurrection. And that set the Sadducees off, and they just got into a big brouhaha with the, with the Pharisees over that, and the Roman, the Roman soldiers kind of pulled Paul out, saved his neck one more time. So now he's here, King Agrippa has come, he, he has appealed to Rome, uh, he wants to go see, he's always wanted to go to Rome so that he could testify. Let's see if I can find that real quick. Um, Chapter 23, verse 11. Jesus talking to Paul, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed uh, to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. So he knows he's going to Rome. So that's his, his, you know, he's got the, he he got with the travel agent and he's he's got his ticket for Rome. But before he gets there, he's got one more defense. or um, yeah, Festus is saying, Agrippa, I don't know, I don't know what the charges are. I, he he he's appealed to the emperor, but I don't have anything. I don't have any valid charges that I can really send him there. Help me out. Listen to this guy. See if we can make some sense so that we don't just send him to the emperor. Just because we got to have some charges for him. So this is Paul's defense uh, in, in his final before he, he heads off to Rome, okay? Uh, he, he shared again uh, his testimony uh, on the road to Damascus, starting in verse 12 there, uh, about the, the great light and hearing the voice of Jesus speak to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he's, verse 16, he says, But arise and stand on your feet. This is Jesus talking to Paul. For this purpose, I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear, delivering you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. 
There, there we, if you recall, we had the, the, the three tenses, what God had done for him, what God is doing for him, and what God is going to do for him. He's got it laid out. But he says, Paul, I've appointed you a minister and a witness. I'm going to jump ahead of myself. I always do. <laughs> okay? He's, um, yeah, at the beginning of that verse, Arise and Stand, and we pointed out the connection to verse 22 last week with, with Martin Luther. He says, Here I stand, I can do no other. When he, when he nailed his thesis to the, to the church in, in Wittenberg in, in Germany. He says, I, I, I don't have an option. This, this is where I stand, and, and I'm going to stand here. Let's see if I can find the verse. Verse 22, there we go. It's right at the beginning of verse 22. And Paul is continuing talking to mainly to Agrippa. His, his focus of this is Agrippa, but remember that Festus is there and all the dignitaries are around. In verse 22 he says, And so having obtained help from God, None of us can do it on our own. Paul couldn't do it on his own. He wanted, needed, and received help from God to accomplish what God appointed him to do, to be a minister and a witness. And so Paul says, and I'm stand, I stand to this day, to this very moment. I am standing, testifying to both great and small, Stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. If you just glance back real quick at verse 6 in chapter 26 there. He, he had initially, when he was telling about who he was and that he was a Pharisee, that he says, and now I'm standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. He said, this is, this is in our history. This is in our writings. I'm not making something new up here. This is what God gave to the prophets. And that's what this is what I'm testifying to. Stating verse back to verse 22, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. Last week we took some time and read through um, Isaiah 52, 13, and all of chapter 53, and then we spent some time in Psalms 16, 8 through 11, just backing that up. That the the Old Testament Scriptures, the Old Testament prophets told about what was coming. That Jesus was going to suffer. He was going to be killed on the cross for us. And then He was going to raise again from the dead. He wasn't going to stay there. If you remember the verse in Psalms, it said that He did not experience decay. Even though He was in the grave for three days, His body did not experience decay. Because Sunday was coming, the resurrection was coming. And Jesus was going to conquer death. There was no question that that's what was going to happen. And the prophets of old told about it. Paul says, that's, this is what I'm talking about, guys. This is what I'm talking about. It's nothing new. We, we were told this was coming. Verse 23, And that the Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of His resurrection from the dead, He should be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. The Christ, and if you recall, as we've gone through Acts, if you're, if you're talking about Jesus Christ, to the Jew, Christ means Messiah. If you're talking to the Gentiles, it means Savior. But the, the Jews 
because of their, the Old Testament and, and the, the history, the teachings that they had were looking for Messiah. They were looking for the one that was going to be their salvation. And He came and they didn't recognize Him. They didn't know who He was. Their eyes were blind. But the Christ, I, I, I just, just, I'm sorry, it, it just hits me that that's just one of those phrases that I love. The Christ. The Christ. There is one. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 The Christ. The Savior. There is one. And in the world today, it's, popular. it's not popular to say there's one. It's popular to say, oh, we all, we'll all get to heaven just through different means, through different gods, through different ways. Baloney, don't believe it. That's a lie straight from Satan. There is one way, one name to heaven. And it's Jesus Christ. The Christ. The Messiah. The Savior. The One. For all of us, there is one way. Just, uh, just something to look up later in regards to the reference to light there, John chapter 1, talking about Jesus as the light of the world. Okay, moving forward into this week's. <laughs> Verse 24, while Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. The last, what's the last word that Paul said in the end of verse, of verse 23 there? Gentiles. Go back with me. Let's see if I can find it quickly here. Seven, I believe it's chapter 17. Nope, that's not what I'm looking for. That's, I've got too many different verses written down and not enough notes here. <laughs> well, when, when I, the, the way this whole, this whole process started was when Paul is giving his, his first defense to the, to the Sanhedrin, to the council that includes Pharisees and Sadducees. Got to find that. It's going to drive me nuts. Give me just a second here. Okay, there we go. Chapter 22. I should have I believed my notes. If you're a pilot flying in the clouds, you learn you have to follow your instruments. You have to trust your instruments. And I should have trusted my notes here. Acts 22, uh, verse 14, And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness to all men. Okay, this is all men, includes Jews and Gentiles. But, but in, that, that, that didn't stir 
the crowd too much. That, that didn't get under too many people's skins, although uh, if you remember, a couple of them probably, probably kind of went, what does he mean by all men? He said all men. Well, he's going to clarify verse 21, a few more verses down. And, and he, Paul is saying that, that Christ said to him, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And it just broke loose. Okay? They didn't want to, they didn't want to hear that the same Jesus, the Messiah, was also the Savior. They didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to share their Messiah with the Gentiles. They thought that was blasphemy. And so he says, when he, when he said Gentiles there, away with such a fellow from the earth, he should not be allowed to live. Kill the man. If he's going to talk like that. Back to chapter 26. What's the last word Paul says there in verse 23 again? Gentiles. Gentiles. There's that word. And, and Festus just loses it. And, and the reason he... he, he reacts so, so viscerally, I think that's the right word, <laughs> the, the, the reason he reacts so strongly is because he's under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's been listening to what Paul's been talking about. And he doesn't want to hear it because the Holy Spirit's cutting to the quick of his, of his soul and convicting him of his sin. Because of what Paul's preaching, Paul in verse 22 and 23 there is just flat out, it's the gospel. Jesus died for you. Festus didn't want to hear it. He says, Paul, you're out of your mind. If you um, write, just write these down, you can come back to it sometime. Uh, Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. They said that, that Jesus was mad. And, and when he's sharing and talking and preaching and teaching the truth, notice Festus here didn't lose it when, when Paul was telling about persecuting the Christians and killing them and throwing in jail. He didn't, react, he, he didn't care about that. He didn't react to that. But verse 22 and 23, when he gets down to the, the gospel, the, the, the core of, of our faith and of our beliefs, that the Christ was to suffer, and that that reason the resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. I've often shared this, this definition before. Definition of the word confidence. How little I respond when falsely accused. You can, you can say anything about me you want. If it's not true, it's not going to bother me. It shouldn't, because my confidence is in Jesus Christ. You can tear me down, say whatever you want. I don't need to get excited. I don't need to get mad at you or angry just because you're misdirected and mis, misspoken. I can rest confidently in the Lord. So how little I react when falsely accused... Now, 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 one of the things that we learned at this conference is that, that, that it, it, talking about the application of the Scriptures, and, and Dick and I have been talking about this in the elders' meetings. Every one of us is from a different background, different circumstances. 
We've come to know the Lord at different times in our lives. We, we've, had, we, we've had things happen to us that haven't happened to the person sitting next to you. And so, I, I, I preach the Word, try to be true and faithful to the Word, but the Holy Spirit needs to take it and charge your heart with what you need. Because what you need to know isn't what she needs to know, and what she needs to know isn't what she needs to know. And the Holy Spirit has to take the preaching of the Word and apply it to your life where you're at. Because if I tried to make a personal application to every one of you every Sunday, we'd be here for another 50 hours because there's about 50 of you here. Okay? The Holy Spirit has got to do His work. But here is a general application that I think we can all, we can all live with and, and we can all put our hands around. In verse 25, Paul, but Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth. When we are falsely accused, falsely charged to something that we haven't said or that we are not, respond with respect. You don't have to fly off the handle and go all nuts. Paul Paul, I don't know, I don't know if, if, if the Holy Spirit just told Paul that, that Festus was struggling with conviction from the preaching of the Word or what. But Paul responds in a very respectful way to somebody that's just called him mad and insane. I don't generally take too kindly to that if somebody calls me mad or insane or stupid. Although that might be the case sometimes, you know. No. We respond with respect. And that's, that's an application I think we can all make. That when somebody talks bad about us, and this, this goes right back to Philippians 2 about putting others ahead of ourselves. We don't need to respond disrespectfully. The world is not going to have any respect for us because they're doing Satan's bidding. We know that Satan is doing everything. He, he knows he's lost. That's why he's so desperate. He knows that because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he lost. He's, he's going to suffer more in the future, but right now, he's already done. He's already lost. But anything that he can do to tear down the church, anything he can do to tear down believers and make their lives miserable... That's what he's all about. That's his game plan. But we don't have to react rudely, obnoxiously. We can respond with confidence in the name of Jesus Christ and respect those even though they don't respect us. And Paul, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth. And... (laughs) It's those words of sober truth that Paul's been preaching that, that are the reason that Festus is reacting like he is. He doesn't want to hear it. But Paul is not there for Festus. Paul's goal from the beginning, from the start of this, when he started out back in verse 2, uh, in all regards to, uh, to all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that I am about to make my defense before you today. So he turns it back in verse 26. He turns it away from Festus. He, he respectfully addressed it, 
addressed Festus, but now he's turning it back to King Agrippa, who, who was, was the focus of, of, his, of his testimony here and his, his witness. For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence. Since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice, for this had not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. King Agrippa was a Jew. But the Romans had put him in position over the temple in Jerusalem. He knew and understood the history and the background of the Jews. He knew. He, He had it growing up, his training. So he knew and understood the training when, when, when Paul talks back in verse 6 about the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, Agrippa knew exactly what he was talking about. There was no confusion there. Verse 26, at the end there, he says, for this has not been done in a corner. Um, Paul's, Paul's life was, was a, a witness and a testimony for all to see. And he's, he's repeatedly been bold in his defense of the faith and, and tried to take the direction off of him and putting it to the, to the glory of God. Agrippa replied to Paul, In a short time, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Paul said, I would pray to God that whether in a short or a long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Paul's heart's desire was that everyone, he, he's, he's focused his whole time on Agrippa. He's, he, he respectfully responds to Festus. But he knows that there's others there in the auditorium, a bunch of the big wheels and the big, the big muckety-mucks from the, the city government and all that from, from Caesarea there. He knows that they're all there, and, and it's his desire that all of them would come to that place and have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. References isn't coming to mind right now, but Christ repeatedly says in the New Testament that He's not willing that any should perish. He wants all to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I want everybody that's here, all, uh, everybody sitting around in, in this beautiful room that they were in in the governor's mansion, Everybody that's here, I've been focusing on you, Agrippa, but I want everybody to know that name. King's response? Break your heart. The king arose... And the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them, and when they had drawn aside, they began talking to one another, saying, This man's not doing anything worthy of death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar. So what did they do? They just got up and walked away. They didn't want to hear it anymore. They knew what he was preaching and teaching was the truth. 
It's kind of like, la, 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 la. You know, our kids do that. La, 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 la. And they did that right into a Christless eternity. This is their moment, their chance, their opportunity, and they just totally reject it. They turn their back on God and they walk away. Festus and Agrippa knew that Paul had a compassionate concern for them. But they took the easy way out and got up and walked out. They didn't want to address eternity. John chapter 3, verse 18. Now let me back up to 17. For God, John 3.17, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. That was His goal, His purpose. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And that's exactly what Festus and Agrippa did. They got up and they walked out. They made their decision. They made their eternal decision. It says, he who does not believe has been judged already. The gospel demands a response. And their response was to walk away. I stand to this day testifying both small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he should be the first to proclaim light to the Jews and the Gentiles. Close your eyes, if you would, please, bow your heads. Jesus Christ died for you. He loves you that much. As Paul said in verse 29, he says, I would pray to God that whether in a short or a long time, not only you but all who hear me this day might become such as I. There's a lot of parts of my life that I wouldn't tell anybody to become like me in or my kids. (laughs) But this is one and I can rest in assurance to say and to tell you, to invite you, to ask you, to beg you, to plead with you to become such as I am. To become a follower of Jesus Christ. To put your life completely and totally in His hands without reservation, 
without hesitation. Jesus died for you because He loves you. And He wants you to be in a committed relationship to Him. Don't wait. Don't pull an Agrippa or a Festus. Time is short. You don't know what today holds or tomorrow. There's no guarantee of next week. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you haven't asked Him to be the Lord of your life, please don't leave here today without doing that. Not for my sake. For your sake. For the sake of the kingdom of God. You need to know Jesus. before it's too late. Father, thank You for Paul's testimony. Thank You for his respectful and proper response to Festus. Thank You more importantly for his faithfulness to the ministry that You gave him to proclaim. And he proclaimed Christ and Christ crucified, and Christ resurrected. Christ displaying, showing, having victory over sin. Father, we would pray today that if there is somebody here that doesn't know You, that they wouldn't leave here until they talked to myself or Dick or uh, someone else that they know has belief and faith in Jesus Christ. How cool it would be to be in heaven and be part of that party today, Father. Of the celebration of another soul coming to You. We give that to You, Father. And we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for your great mercy and your greater grace. We thank you for your love. Open, open eyes, Father. May your Holy Spirit convict and work in hearts and challenge people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to have a relationship with you, Father. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.